Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And we are going to close out, hopefully, that's the plan anyway, finish today this series that we began several weeks ago in our Sunday school class on Sunday afternoons, a lesson series entitled The Battlefield of the Mind, Battlefield of the Mind. And just by way of review, we have come to the place where we've learned and hopefully understood or understand that this war that we are in, and we are in a war, uh, you've got to get that. You've got to believe that. You've got to understand that. It's a fight. When you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, whenever that was, you enlisted. You enlisted in the army of God. And uh, what a great privilege that is. I believe that the Lord's blessings that come to us when we make Him our Savior and say, God, I want to live for you. I believe when we do that, the blessings begin and they never stop. The good things that God flows into our lives. But it isn't all a bed of roses, as every one of us here this afternoon well know, that when we set our sights on heaven and we tell the Lord we want to live for Him for the rest of eternity, that makes us a target, prime target for His enemy and ours, the devil and the kingdom of darkness. And so we are on the winning side. We thank God for that. He's already actually fought and won the crucial battles. He did that at Calvary, shed his blood for us, and once and for all purchased for us the victory that we need. So the victory's already ours. We just have to claim it, and we have to go through some stuff. Some stuff. Uh, maybe a better word. Would you like the word? junk better. Sister Amber, we have to go through some junk while we're down here in this life before we get to heaven. But the Lord said he would help us with it. The battle that we fight is not with bombs and guns. Uh, Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are forts that the enemy builds up and they must be conquered. They are not physical fortifications, though. They are spiritual, and they are in our minds and in the minds of people that we know and people that we love. And those strongholds must be dealt with, and they are dealt with on a spiritual basis using our spiritual weapons, and all of this is by way of review. But it happens in our mind. Our thought process, that's where the enemy comes to us, and that's where he attacks us. So our goal is to have the mind of Christ. We want to think like God wants us to think. And I'm going to go through a few slides of review. I actually uh, didn't get through this lesson last time, so today we're going to wrap it up. So let me just remind you with a couple of slides, some things that we've already said. We've got to choose to think right. And God gave us that power to choose. God gave us 
the ability to say yes to some things and no to those things. God gave us, every human being, the power of choice, of free will. And it's with that free will and that power of choice we either choose to do right, speak right, think right, or we don't. And to the degree that we choose right, and when I I say right, I mean right in the eyes of the Lord, per His instructions and His understanding and knowledge. The more we choose to do it right and say right, and in this lesson, I want us to focus on this specifically, the more we choose to think right, the better off we'll be because the the more we'll have victory over our enemy. So we need to choose right thoughts. The Bible says, who has known or understood the mind, the counsel, and purposes of the Lord so as to guide and instruct Him and give Him knowledge? Uh, Who's going to be the Lord's teacher? Not us, right? Not me. I'm not going to try. But we do have His mind, the mind of Christ, and hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of His heart. So, When we are born again, we are given a new heart and a new spirit. The Lord uh, spoke of that through the prophet Ezekiel, said, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Uh, That's not talking about uh, necessarily the physical heart of flesh that we have, but he's talking about an understanding and a propensity to think the thoughts of God and to love the things of God and to be as God would have us to be, to have a new heart. I'll put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall heed my ordinances and do them. So God gives us a new nature which is actually His nature, the nature of the Lord. And He does that at our new birth when we are born again of the water in baptism in Jesus' name, and particularly the, uh, the reprogramming on the inside uh, comes when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and He gives us His Spirit, which is His heart and His mind. So what do we need to do from that point on? Well, first of all, we need to think positive thoughts. Remember I told you how that Norman Vincent Peale did not have the copyright on this principle, that the power of positive thinking did not come from man's mind. It actually came from God. Now, the problem with man is he stops short and says uh, the power that we have through thinking positive thoughts instead of negative is all we need. We understand, though, that we need more than just to think positively. We need God. We need God's thoughts. But God does give us this very important principle. It didn't come from uh, the positive thinking crowd back in the 50s or 60s whenever they first latched onto this principle. It came from God. He says in his word in Amos 3, do two walk together except they make an appointment and have agreed to walk together. So we, in order to have the mind of Christ, we must think like he does, and he is a positive God, and he thinks positive thoughts. So anytime we get negative, now I'm not talking about the simple observation of circumstances that may be negative. God, in this think positive mandate that he gives us, is not telling us to ignore negative circumstances when they exist. But God does tell us it is so very important 
how we treat those negative circumstances, particularly how we think about them. Yes, the bad stuff happens. Yes, uh, I did get fired. Yes, uh, we did have the automobile accident. Yes, it doesn't look like there's going to be quite enough money this week to pay this week's bills before the next paycheck rolls around. Yes, the negative stuff happens. Uh, faith is not saying that it's not there, the bad stuff. Having faith in God does not mean that you ignore the bad stuff. But it does mean that you recognize it and God's ability to handle it and give you victory over it. That's what the Lord means in his word when he tells us to think positive, that the mind of Christ is positive. So when we dwell on the negative, when we take the negative stuff and we don't treat it the way God wants us to treat it, but we dwell on it, we think about it, more than we should, that's when we are not operating in the mind of Christ. Okay, let's remember this important point. Negative feelings or emotions come from negative thoughts. The mind is the battlefield where the battle is won or lost. We can choose to be positive. We can't change the negative circumstances, only God can do that, but we can change how we feel about it. And we do that by changing the way we think about it. Instead of having the thought process of, oh, woe is me. Look at what's happened to me. Look what's happened to the kids. Look what's going on in my life or in my home or in my family right now. It's bad. And so when we focus on that, then our emotions kick in, and our emotions, which is another word for our feelings, get involved. And if we don't think the right thoughts, then we'll have the wrong feelings. Now, <clears throat> God made us, okay? How many know God designed us? He created us uh, in the in the drawing board of his mind before he ever began the act of creation. In the very beginning, God put together in his mind the plans for the universe, the earth, and mankind. And he provided for everything that he knew was going to go wrong. Could I tell you that today? God has already provided for everything that ever has gone wrong in your life and ever will go wrong. God's already got a plan to get you through it and to get you through it with victory. The key is to do it His way. Okay, if you get tired of hearing pastor teach and preach about seeking after more than anything else the will of God for your life, please don't get tired because it's the most important quest in your life, seeking for, trying to attain the will of God in every area of your life. We do that for salvation's sake so that we can go to heaven instead of hell for all of eternity. But we need to understand that seeking the will of God will make us have the abundant life that Jesus talked about we could have if we do things his way or follow his will. So remember, negative feelings come from negative thoughts. Therefore, we need to be God-minded. The Lord said, you will guard him and keep him in perfect 
and constant peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. The Amplified says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. That's what we are to allow the Lord to keep our mind in perfect peace. So, how do we do that? Well, one way we do it is to be God loves me minded. To have the mindset at all times, whatever we go through, whatever happens, whatever happens to us, whatever we do to happen to our circumstances, God loves us. His love will never fail. He will never stop loving us no matter what we do or where we go, or what we fail to do, no matter how close or far away we may be from conforming to God's plan and will for our lives, He will still love us. Turn to your neighbor and say, no matter what, He will love us no matter what. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us, John said in the first book of John, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I'm reminded of the old song we used to sing in Sunday school. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? The Bible tells me so. Amen. And God is not going to stop loving you no matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter what anybody else does. So, we are in a process of becoming more like God. That's the goal, and especially in our mind, in our thinking. The goal is to every day be growing spiritually and allowing God to change us. Maybe it's just a little bit every day. That's okay. But God has a glorious plan for your life if we will think the way He wants us to think. And the love of God is one of the most important, it's, it's perhaps the most powerful force in our lives. The Bible says here in the Scripture that God is love. Take the word is out and put an equal sign there. Let's do a little math. God is love, and His love will take us through even the most difficult and trying times into victory if we'll do it God's way. I told you last lesson, here's one of the ways you do that. You just fall in love with Him. Fall in love with Jesus. Make uh, Jesus the focal point of your emotions. Now, God gave us emotions feelings. We're not supposed to be devoid of feelings. We're just supposed to channel them the right way. Again, God's way. How many remember in the Scripture uh, God experienced different emotions? One of them was anger. God got angry in the Old Testament. He got angry at His kids. You ever been angry at your kids, Sister Doris? Don't answer that. God got angry at His children in the Old Testament. He got angry in the New Testament to the point that He let His anger be expressed by, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kick over that chair. But He kicked over some tables in church, no less, at the temple. Well, He may not have been actually in the temple. He was in the courtyard where they sold animals for sacrifices. But but He got angry. And uh, the Scripture tells us, be ye angry and what? Sin not. And it tells us how to do that by further saying right after that, what does it say? 
Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, get it handled quickly. Get it taken care of. If God can get mad and uh, be okay, then we can too. So, how do we do that? We yield our emotions and our feelings to His plan. In other words, wherever there's specific command in the Bible, let's do it. Regarding anger, that was the one. We've already talked about that. God says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. We need to make sure that our feelings are kept in check, not just that we don't have a bad temper and let it get the best of us. Not, not just that. That, of course, is, is, we know that without saying it. But the feelings that we can have as a human being are vast. There's a myriad far uh, uh, above really what we might think of it. Number of reasons uh, or feelings that we can have. And we need to submit those feelings to God's will. And the way we do that is by thinking the way he wants us to think. Besides falling in love with the Lord, another thing that we need to do is develop a thankful mind. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, Through him, therefore, let us constantly at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise uh, continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Psalm 100 verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That is a mindset that we need to have continually. Now, let me just kind of add as a disclaimer, all of these things that pastor is saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to think this way, you need to quit thinking negative thoughts, you need to be thankful all the time. How do I do this, pastor? You ask God to do it. You pray. You say, he said, ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. Many years ago, uh, I've, I've told this to you several times, I, I became fascinated with the subject of the love of God, and I prayed, God, fill me with your love. Let my life be filled with the love of God for the rest of my life. I saw this scripture and prayed this prayer many, many years ago. God, let me have a thankful, grateful spirit. Spirit's another word for attitude. Uh, the apostle Paul said, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There are very few scriptures in the Bible, Old or New Testament, that say it like this, that say, hey, look at this. This is God's will for your life. That's what this scripture is saying. It's saying in everything, in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what happens to you, bad or good, give thanks to God for it and as you go through it. Let us, therefore, constantly, continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. So, we need to ask God to give us a thankful mind, and we need to give thanks at all times for what God does for us. Now, in everything give thanks, Pastor, I can do that. While I'm going through the storm, I can say, thank you, Jesus. 
I may not feel it as strong as I do when things are going good, but I can make my mouth open, use my tongue, my vocal cords, and say, thank you, God, as I'm going through this junk. Did we decide on junk or stuff? Is it bad stuff or bad junk? Okay, that, that's one thing, to praise God in the middle of the storm and the bad stuff. But it's, it's, it's a whole lot more, and it's a, an extreme difference to go further than that and say, thank you, God, for the stuff. But that's exactly what Paul says here in Ephesians 5. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Do you ever go around through your day, mm, thank God for the blood, or whatever song is on your heart? That's biblical. The Scripture right here tells you to do that. It's good. But then look at what he says. Giving thanks always for all things. Let me remind you, there are no uh, unimportant words in the Scripture. Every word was put there by God for a reason. Giving thanks always for, boy, uh, such a small little three-letter word, but means so much. Always for all things. You mean I'm supposed to thank God that I got in that wreck? Thank God for taking me through it. Yes, not just for keeping you from getting killed or being hurt or the damage being more than what it was, but thank Him that it happened. Thank Him for allowing it to happen. Well, that's, that's totally absurd, Pastor. Why would I thank Him for the bad stuff? Number one, because He says to. And number two, because here's the real reason why. Here's why you can praise God for the bad stuff that happens in your life. Because there's another little scripture that says, all things, there's that little three-letter word again, all things work together for good to them who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. We're so self-centered. I know I am. We think about ourselves, our four and no more, what's happening in our family, what's happening on our job, what's happening in our bank account, what's happening in our career. But you know what? The Lord says, you give all that to me and let me worry about that. You follow the specific outline of living your life the way I want you to, which is to in everything give thanks, to give thanks always for all things. And I'll take everything that happens, even uh, the stuff that you don't like, uh, God has taken stuff that I've done and tripped and fell flat on my face and worked good through that and because of that. In fact, I've said it to you many times, I'll say it again, I believe the Scriptures teach the principle that when you go through the storm, the trial, the bad circumstances, no matter what causes those circumstances, whether it's somebody else's fault or your fault, God says, if you will go through that my way, if you will respond my way, then you will come out of that situation in better shape spiritually and otherwise than you would have if you had never had to go through that stuff in the first place. Now, 
You say, well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. Does that mean I can go out and, and rob a bank, you know, because God will bless it? No, 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 no. The Apostle Paul said, what shall we say then when he's talking about the grace of God? Shall, 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 we, shall we sin? He said, God forbid. He's talking about the grace of God. And he says, wherever sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. God's there to take care of things. But that doesn't give us a license to go ahead and premeditate that and say, well, God's going to bless me and give me grace. But the good news is, no matter what happens, when things don't go our way, when things aren't the way we want them to be, God will give us blessings. I believe blessings that we never would have had if we hadn't gone through the junk. So offer thanks for all, always for everything. Another thing is to be word-minded. You have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent him you believe not. Here Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, basically his enemy. He said, you've missed it, fellas. You, you, you don't get it. You need to understand the word of my Father in heaven. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they thought they were it. They thought they were experts in the Old Testament Scripture. And they knew what it said, but the one thing that they got wrong was the inside. They got the outside right, but their heart wasn't right. And even when they did obey the Old Testament Scriptures, uh, what even mattered more than doing it right was being right on the inside. And that's what's important to God. And that's what he was saying here. You need to be word-minded. If the Word of God is inside of you, then it's going to come out. This is how our thoughts can become, or God's thoughts can become our thoughts. The only way to develop the mind of Christ in us is to get His Word in us. So much that we make it a part of our lives. The writer said, don't be just a hearer of the Word only, but be a doer of the Word. How many people have gone to church, sat on a Pentecostal apostolic pew or chair, even for years, and heard sermon after sermon and Bible lesson after Bible lesson, maybe even taught Sunday school or whatever, but they don't do what the Bible tells them to do. It's so important. It's so important. But we can't do it if we don't partake of it, if we don't put the Word into us by exposing ourselves to it, by reading it every day. Again, my job as a pastor is simply to remind you to do the simple, basic, spiritual things that will get you to heaven. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Come to church every service. The doors are open. Why? Because you need that Word of God flowing into your mind so that it can affect your life for the better. So, uh, we need to be word-minded. How do we do that? One good way to do that is to meditate on the Word of God. The Lord told Joshua when he took the reins of leadership from Moses way back in uh, the Old Testament, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we start out receiving the Word of God. That's what the law here is talking about, the Word of God, His precepts, His principles. And then he goes on to say something very important. He says, I want you to meditate on it. In Deuteronomy, God told Moses, he said, this is what I want you to tell the people. I want you to have the word be as frontlets before your eyes. Uh, the, the Pharisees, he said, wear it on your arm. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, by the time Jesus came along, were, were good at, at fooling with and, and dealing with the word of God on the outside. Like I said a while ago, on the inside, that was a different matter. They weren't so good at that. But when Jesus came along, they had actually adopted the tradition of writing out scriptures on paper or parchment or whatever they had and putting them in an armband and wearing it on their arm. They uh, actually wore these uh, contraptions where the scriptures uh, would be on parchment again or whatever and dangle in front of them as they went through their day. Uh, the word meditate is so important. I've told you this before, but perhaps someone hadn't heard it. Think of a cow. I want you to have a cow. You know, usually you hear, don't have a cow, man. Well, pastor, I want you to have a cow. A cow has a digestive system very much different from yours and mine. Amen. Uh, a cow has more than one stomach. Somebody tell me again how many? Three, four, we're going to debate that. Several, several stomachs for the purpose of digesting what they eat, usually grass. I, I really love the way God designed a cow. However God set up their digestive system, he knew that it had to be done in such a way that by the time that grass went through their digestive system and came out on the other side, ooh, pastor's getting ugly now. I'm not talking about uh, waste. I'm talking about the very good and nourishing uh, product called milk. God designed a cow's digestive system so that they could produce milk. And one of the ways that that works is a cow will swallow the grass, and uh, God says, no, that's not enough chewing. You need to chew that grass some more. And uh, now I only had one little thing of yogurt for breakfast, so I can handle what I'm about to say. If you can't handle it, put your fingers in your ears. A cow will upchuck, vomit throw up. Does everybody get the picture yet? The partially chewed grass back into their mouth. Oh, they don't put it out on the ground. They put it as far as their mouth and go to work on it again, chewing some more. How many knew that cows did that? Would you raise your hand? Okay, most of us. And then they'll swallow it. And then, I don't know how many times they'll do it, but they'll do it again. They'll regurgitate. Oh, there's another word I've thought of. Five words. Back to their mouth and work on it again, chewing it up so that it will digest properly. That's what God wants you and I. That's the word picture he gives us in his word 
on meditate. If you go look up that word, the Hebrew in the original, that's the concept it will give you. To meditate on the Word of God means to bring it back up into your mind again and again and again. That's why I encourage you to memorize Scripture, because when you memorize it, then you don't have to go look it up. Now, now we've got phones and tablets and all kinds of ways to conveniently get at the Word of God so you don't have to memorize it as much. It's there in your pocket. But bring it back up and think on it again and again. Think about the Scripture again. Uh, isolate a phrase that you didn't think about last time. And look at the words and, and repeat them and pray and say, God, show me what this means uh, more clearly and help me to understand it. But just the process of over and over again thinking about the Word of God, a particular part of the Word of God, that's meditating. And the Lord says, what if you do that, your chances, once you meditate, the more you meditate on the Word of God, your chances of obeying the Word go up. The more you meditate on it, the more likely you are to obey it. And that's the key. That's where the blessing comes in. Not because God's looking down here and says, oh, he's reading the Bible again today, and he's thinking about that scripture. I think I'll zap him with a blessing. No, that's not how it works. That particular verse has a principle or two or three in it. And when you, when you know what it says, and then you put it into practice, for example, this one that we're talking about, in everything give thanks then it's not that God looks at that and says, okay, I'm going to bless him for obeying me. It's that God has set up a law. He has set up a principle that's in effect that when you obey this particular principle in his word, whatever it is, this one is giving thanks and praise always, there are things that happen in you and around you that can only happen when you are obeying that particular principle in the word. And the good thing is, it's not just one verse, it's the whole book. You see why pastors tell you, be in church every time you can, every time the doors are open. Read your Bible every day. Uh, think about it. Listen to somebody say it uh, while you're going down the street in your automobile. Hear it being just read. Or listen to preachers or watch preachers proclaiming the Word of God by uh, all the different means of media that we have available. The more you are exposed to the Word of God, the more you will think like God. Remember, the battleground, the battlefield is in your mind, and the more you think like God, the more you win battles. Meditate, receive, and welcome the Word of God. James said, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. The Amplified says it a little bit easier to understand. Get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in an humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the Word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. Well, I've got to hurry on to completion. Guard your mind. This is another way that we fight the battle in our mind. Keep and guard your mind, Solomon said in Proverbs, with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs 
of life. The battlefield is in your mind. The battlefield where you are going to fight and either win or lose. Day-to-day victories. Battles that may last for an hour or battles that may last for a week until you get victory or else are defeated. And the lifelong battle that we fight the minute we take up our cross and start following Jesus from that moment until we leave this life, the lifelong battle of making it to heaven. All of those battles, short and long, are fought in our mind. And it's so important that we understand that. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 4, And verse 8, he said, whatsoever is true. He gives you a list of things that you're supposed to think about. And uh, if you think about these things, it will, as we've been saying here this afternoon, bless you so that you will have the blessings that come from obeying the Word of God. He says, think about these things. Brother, can you find that for me? I didn't put it on the list, so it's my fault that Brother Terry didn't have. Philippians 4 and 8, whatsoever things are true, think about that. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Now, I've sat and meditated about that word before, you know, and thought, said, Lord, what does that mean? Philippians 4 and 8, whatsoever things are lovely, huh, Lovely in whose eyes? Well, of course, in the eyes of God. Uh, Whatsoever things are of good report. That's why you shouldn't partake in or even listen to gossip. Oh, I'm going to say that again so everybody can say amen. That's why you shouldn't listen uh, listen to or partake in gossip. Because that's the opposite of a good report. Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. These are the things that God wants you to think about. The condition that your mind should be in really is described in this verse. This is what should be going on in your mind at all times. Now, is that what happens 100% of the time in every Christian's mind, in every apostolic's mind? No. Is that what happens is, 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 at all times? Is that is what is going on in my life, in my mind? No. But that's the goal. That's the plan. That's what God wants you to go after. The condition that your mind should be in is described in this verse. If you think about these things, then you will have the mind of Christ. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, uh, he says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing, again, it's talking about your mind, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of, of God, and you do all that to do this, to bring into captivity every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. In other words, the goal is this, to get to the place where every thought, and I realize it's a tough goal, and, and I'm just going to give you a little hint, a little disclaimer. Probably most of us, probably all of us, as long as we're in this flesh, because we've got this flesh nature to contend with, it's a constant battle. Probably none of us will ever get to the point where 100% of the time we are thinking 100% the thoughts that God wants us to think. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? But the goal is that. That's, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to attain the goal of bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, the goal is as much as possible, every thought that we possibly can should be subjected to the will of God and be in obedience to Him. In other words, every stray thought, here's the goal. Every stray thought or thought that comes into our mind, and thoughts come from different sources. Thoughts come from uh, the media. Thoughts come from the world. Thoughts come to us from the enemy. Believe you me, the devil is alive and well on planet Earth. There are demon spirits that come to us, human beings, and put thoughts in our mind. That's how they launch a barrage, an attack. That's how hell attacks you is by putting thoughts in your mind. Now, the devil will use, and when I say the devil, I don't mean the devil himself because the devil is not omnipresent like God. He doesn't go everywhere at the same time. He's only one, and he can only be in one place at one time. But he has a whole vast army of demon spirits, fallen angels, that do his bidding. And those demon spirits, though they are spread out, and uh, you don't have one present with you 100% of the time in your life, from time to time, somehow down through the hierarchy of the chain of command in Satan's kingdom, commands will be issued and a demon spirit will be sent to you or to me to thwart us, to discourage us, somehow to put a thought in our mind to try to trip us up, trip us up so that in any way possible, their goal is to get us out of the will of God. They have to do that first in our thinking before we'll do it in action. So the battlefield is in your mind. That's where the fight really is. When we do things or we see somebody else doing something that is wrong in the sight of God, it's not the will of God, whether it's us or somebody else. That process didn't begin right there. The process of that person, whether it's us or somebody else, disobeying God and doing the wrong thing, the wrong action on the outside, that didn't start right then. It started sometime earlier as a thought in our mind when the enemy, either directly through some demon spirit or through the world or through watching a, a movie or reading a book or seeing something on the internet. There's so many ways the enemy can attack us now with wrong thoughts. And the enemy will attack us and put a wrong thought in our mind. And then it is so very important what we do with that thought. I used to feel guilty, feel guilt and condemnation when I thought, something, you know, that was wrong until I learned many years later that 
that I'm not responsible for the original initial arriving in my mind of every thought. Uh, those thoughts can come to us from so many different sources. It's what we do with those thoughts that is so important. If it's a wrong thought, if it's a thought God doesn't want you to have in your mind, kick it out. And there are various ways to do that. You do that through prayer. You do it mainly through the Word of God. Again, the more of the Word of God you are putting in your mind and giving your time to thinking about and reading and coming to church, the more of the Word of God that's flowing in your mind, the more equipped you will be to deal with wrong thoughts the right way and win the battle that's going on in your mind. Let's stand together. I feel the Holy Ghost. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to do it the right way. Now, again, I'm very selfish. I am very self-centered. You may not believe that, but that's true. I've prayed since I was a young boy, a teenager, well, and prayed, God, Deliver me from my self-centeredness and my selfishness. And guess what? Every one of you are self-centered too. We think about us first, last, and in between. It's the grace of God and the Word of God and the Holy Ghost that helps us to get out of that from time to time and think about others and minister to others and love others and love God. It's a battle. It's a constant battle. But God promises victory if we'll do it His way, if we'll fight this battle of life His way. And we have to do that by guarding our thoughts and praying every day, God, let me think the way you want me to think. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? Pastor needs to pray that prayer again today. I pray it every day. Let's pray it together. God, we love you today. Thank you for your word. Your spirit that's here imparting your word to us. So important, God, what we allow to go through and stay in our minds. It's so important that we fight this battle that you have enlisted us in the way you want us to. God, if we will do that, the rewards are great. Oh, yes, God, the blessings of the abundant life that you promised us here. And then life eternal in heaven to come forever and ever. God, help us to do it your way. Help us to fight your way. Help us to do with our mind and the thoughts of our mind exactly what you want us to do in this so very all-important area of our existence. Help us, God, to obey you. Help us to do it your way. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. Somebody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God bless you today. Let's go from here thinking God's thoughts. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you and have a blessed day.